0: I want you to realize that favor is a fixed fight. You know, a lot of times we don't really discover God's plan for our life until we get to the place we're supposed to be. We don't really discover the plan God has for our life until we get to the place, God, that we're supposed to be. And you see, we're supposed to be in place after place, we're supposed to be in season after season in our life. but I'm talking about place, I'm not just talking about a physical place, I'm talking about a place that no matter what's going on in the physical around you, that you're in a secure place in your relationship with Abba God. And when you're in a secure place, a relationship with Abba Father, what happens is he begins to just download to you things that other people just don't get. And they just don't receive. You see, when we talk about walking in favor, one of the reasons that it was just so in my heart to just do this series with you is because a lot of times whenever we talk about favor, we think as Christians, it, it just magically happens. We just magically, God shows up, but magically things just take place. But what I want you to realize is it's a fixed fight, yes, but we live in a cursed world and problems and death and destruction are all around you. But remember this, this is what favor is about. Greater is he who is what? In me than he who is in this world. And the reason favor is a fixed fight is because of in Romans 8, what does it tell us? Romans 8:28? It says, and we know what? All things. What kind of things? All things, whether it's a physical attack, a financial attack, whether it's just extra stress in your life, whatever it might be, all things work together for good. For who? For them, who are those who love God, and those who are called according to what? His own purpose. You see, if we could just keep ourselves aligned in that verse and realize that if we don't understand a tragedy happens around us or to us or, or to someone we know, we don't understand maybe while we're just kind of just, just can't seem to break certain barriers in our life. Maybe finances are good, health's good, but you just feel like a heaviness because there's a barrier, maybe a spiritual barrier you need to break through. And, and what I want you to realize is, is the reason favors a fixed fight is because God already set you up to win. Because if you read the end of the book, you realize you win. The Bible even tells us in the book of Acts to be absent from the body is what? To be Present with the Lord. And when we began to realize that our Lord is our Heavenly Father, He's our Daddy, He's our God, and that no matter what we're dealing with, whether it's seen or unseen, we win if we just press through, not through our power, not through our strength, but through the strength of God in us. I shared with you last week about how that kind of an illustration, I used some boxing gloves, I won't use them this week, but whenever we see someone whose their right hand is dominant, it's the strong hand, it's the hand they punch with, it's the hand they write with, it's the hand they shoot a ball with, whatever it is, the right hand, that's the thing, they pull things to them, that's the things that they got to defend themselves, they'll push away with. And the reason the right hand is a strong hand is because the left side of their brain is dominant and it sends this, this, this signal through the nervous system to signify the right hand is the strong hand. Now, for you southpaws, the lefties, what happens is the right side of your brain is more dominant to deal with this. And what happens is it shoots a stronger signal to your left hand. And just as someone's right hand is dominant or the strong hand, your left hand is. And what happens is that's a hand you punch with. That's a hand you protect yourself with. That's a hand you grab stuff with. That's a hand that maybe you'll write with. And then there's a a thing in science that's called dual handed And when we're dual handed, that means that there's some task I'm stronger with my right hand with and some tasks I'm stronger with my left hand. And whenever we begin to understand that, like for me, for instance, I shared with you last week, you know, like if I shoot a ball or throw a ball or something like that, I use my right hand. But if I'm shooting pool and shouldn't let all that out because for my boys, when their friends are over, like I shared last week, you know, when I shoot, I say, well, I'll play you first left-handed. What they don't realize is that's my dominant arm when I'm doing that or if I'm shooting a gun, it's my left hand. It's my left arm. I feel more strength and security with that. So I'm dual-handed in some things, but I'm not dual-handed like a lot of people are. But then there's a thing where it's called to be ambidextrous. And when you're ambidextrous, what happens is your right arm and your left arm are equally strong. You can use your right arm to write with. You can use your right arm to throw with, to punch with, to pull someone back or to pull something up. And equally as strong, you could write with your left hand. You could punch with your left hand. You could shoot a ball with your left hand. What? There is no weak side to a person who is ambidextrous. Whenever you're ambidextrous, both sides of the brain and both sides of the body, the hands are equally efficient and strong. So whenever we look at life and we say, man, God was with me during the good times, but These bad times, was it my fault? Was it someone else's fault? Does God really hear my voice? Does does God even know I exist? And then all of a sudden something happens and then you realize, oh, God must love me because this happened. I wish it happened a month ago or a year ago or three years ago, but it happened. So I must be back in his favor again and he must really love me. And we measure God's love and favor on circumstances. And we measure, measure it on conditions. But see, Romans eight twenty eight. it told us that whoever loves God, right? Whoever loves God, the steps of a righteous man or a good man are or what order of the Lord, another scripture says. And what I want you to understand is God's plan is the same yesterday, today, and forever for you. And he has not set you up for failure, but God has set you up for victory. And when we begin to realize that, we come to the realization that whether we're in the good times or the bad times, we look at it as like I shared with you last week about boxing. You know, when you box and you're setting a guy up, you're looking at his feet, you're, 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 you'll lead as a human, you know, I'm going to lead with my weak hand, I'm going to lead with my weak hand, what? And I'm going to set the enemy up and I'm going to lead, what, I'm setting him up, what, for my strong arm. And we think, man, God's just setting us up for the strong arm. He's setting us up for the big punch. But what I want you to realize is God is setting the enemy up, whether it's the weak hand or the strong hand that you're using. Why? Because the victory doesn't depend on your strength. The victory depends on the strength of the Lord. And he is equally strong with his left hand or his right hand. He's equally as strong in the famine and the dry and the difficult times as he is in the over the top, wonderful, amazing, great times. And we can't measure God's love for us based on how good things are going or how they're not going. Whether the circumstances are good or the circumstances are difficult, we got to come to the realization that God is for me and not against me. We got to come to the realization that. no weapon formed what against me shall prosper we gotta realize that as a son of God as a daughter of God you are his chosen you are his elect and when you are a son or a daughter of God you are family you're his children and therefore his purpose becomes your purpose his mission becomes your mission his goals become your goals his dreams become your dreams and what happens is all we gotta do is hear and obey his voice and stay in alignment alignment with his plan for our life. You say, yeah, but what about all the tough stuff I'm going through? What about all the bad things I dealt with? Why would God do that to me or cause that? Well, I shared that with you in the first week a few weeks ago when I talked to you about Job, remember? And the very first attack that was on Job when in Job 1, about verses 6 through 12, whenever God said, uh, whatever, Satan showed up at the place where God's sons were worshiping and, and God asked him where he'd been and he said, well I've been to and fro the earth searching out the earth and God says, "If you notice, my servant Job? He said yeah, but I can't do anything to Job. You prosper him in everything he does. I mean, his home's great, his finances, his business is great, his health's great. I mean, really, what can I do to Job? I can't do anything to Job. He's your boy. But I'll tell you one thing, you take his stuff from him, you take his money and his possessions and all those good things that you give him, he'll curse you to your face. And what did God say? God said, go on and try God didn't say, okay, I cursed Job. He said, go on and try him, you'll see. But you can't take his life. And we know that Job went through a lot of stuff. There's times God allows you to go through some stuff because it will get you in the place you need to be in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit so that you can accomplish the things that he wants you to accomplish on this planet. And that's the thing with Job. When we look at his life, we go, man, he lost family members and all this. But, you know, even though his wife wanted him to curse God, his friends and business associates wanted him to curse God, his servants wanted him to curse God, he never cursed God. He passed the test. And when he passed the test, he didn't just get 10 times or 20 times or 50 times or 80 times. He didn't get like just 100%. He got 100 times everything he had, even down to his children. His children, his finances, his health—one hundred times the blessing that he originally had. Are or you saying, well, Pastor, this is just some bless me message? Let me tell you something. When you're a son or daughter of God, you're already blessed. Even if you died tomorrow in an accident, and you're a child of God, you're going to already beat me to heaven, so you win. You see, it's a stacked deck. It's a fixed fight you can't lose if you go into a fight realizing you can't lose you go into an athletic event realizing you can't lose you go into a job or or, or a career or a ministry and realize no matter what it looks like I can't lose the debt is stacked maybe the victory doesn't look like you thought it would look when you began but victory is still victory and victory is sweet and what I want you to realize when you're a child of God you are walking in the favor of God when you can't see you're walking in the favor of God when you can't feel him you're walking in that favor but you got to learn to recognize it how do I recognize the favor of God I recognize it through faith knowing and trusting God Hebrews 11 1 now faith is what now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Even when you don't see God, even when you don't see the financial breakthrough, even when you don't see the physical breakthrough or the emotional breakthrough or the, the spiritual breakthrough the next high, you know, big thing you want to do spiritually, you need to realize that the deck is stacked the fight is fixed and you win and God is even in the hidden things he didn't cause them because of John 10 10, right? Jesus said, Satan came to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But on the other side, he said, I came to give life and to give life more abundantly. So when you don't understand things that you can't see and you you can't work them out, you can't figure them out on your own, just know and trust God that He first loved you and that He has no favorites because we're all His favorites. And when you know and trust God that no matter what I'm going through, through is important. Just like Winston Churchill said, when you're walking through hell, keep walking, right? Through is important. So whatever you're facing today, I want you to tell you, through is important. And if you will simply know, be a child of God and some of you don't even know if you're a child of God because maybe you got sprinkled or baptized when you were younger or maybe you served God for a while but you've not been living like you've served God. You don't even feel or know God. Let me help you. Or maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Whenever you know God means to birth, to know, to be in communion and covenant with. The, actually, the Greek word is a birthing word. Now I don't have time to get into that. But when you know what and trust, have faith in, believe in, whenever you begin to do that, you can't lose. It's a stacked deck. It's a fixed fight. So let's get into where I stopped last week with Joseph. Let's talk about his life a little bit. Look at me in Genesis 42. Genesis 42, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and I'm actually skipping some of these really amazing highlights of Joseph's life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over right now that, you know, he started off with the coats of many color and colors and he was his daddy's favorite he had a dream and then his brothers were offended threw him in a pit and he's in a pit sowed into slavery then he worked his way up to be in Potiphar's house and he ran Potiphar's house and he was falsely accused of rape and he was put in prison and before long he's run into prison and then he's brought out to prophet to interpret a dream that was not his dream I'm going to teach on that in the next couple weeks. A dream. See, a lot of times we talk about Joseph's dream. It wasn't Joseph's dream. Joseph was a foreign man living in a foreign land with no friends, no one but God. Not even his own family. His own family had turned against him, but God. And God gave him favor in a prison in a foreign country where he didn't speak the language or know anyone and gave him the interpretation of a non-Christian, a man that was not Jewish not in God's faith gave him the interpretation of that man's vision and dream and through that God showed his favor strong and mighty through the life of Joseph. You see, a lot of people that are Christians, we run from the world. Oh, we don't want to be around them. They're just not like me. Good. You need to be around people who are not like you. You need to stretch yourself. You need to go out. You're called to be fishermen of men, of women. Uh, You're called to throw out the net. You're here on a mission. And that mission, as you practice it, begins to reveal God's favor on your life. And that's what next week is, practicing the favor of God. How do I practice? How do I operate in that favor? Let me get to where we're at today. Let's begin in verse 1 here. It says, When Jacob heard that the grain was available in Egypt, that's his father, Joseph's father, he said to his sons, Why are you still standing around looking at one another? These are the same sons that were jealous of Joseph, the same sons that act like he was dead and sowed him into slavery. And now here they are, they don't have an answer, and their old father who's ready to die, Jacob, who's just about, his eyes are dim, he doesn't have long to live, and all of the world is in famine except Egypt. And he said, why are you all standing here looking at one another? You see, we gotta come to a place in our life that we look to God for our answers, and it can be confirmed through events and men, but we gotta look to God for our answers, not politics and not friends and not religion. It's gotta be a relationship with Abba God. It's gotta be with Daddy, and we gotta know and trust and realize we're His kids in His kingdom and and we're just participating in this earth. Why? Because we're walking in favor, and his favor is not temporary. His favor is eternal. So He said, why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. He's saying, come on, guys, wake up, snap out of your... Your, your mentality of, well, you know, if anything ever good would ever happen to me, why is everybody always picking on me? Why is it always breaking bad for me? He said, stop focusing on yourself and look up because when you look up and look forward, God's got a plan, but you can't find a plan with your head stuck in the sand of your circumstances and of your trials. So he said, otherwise we'll die. Then verse 3, So Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain, but Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them for the fear that something might happen to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with the others to buy food, for the famine was in Canaan as well, their their homeland. Since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling all the grain to all the people, it was him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. You see, if it wasn't for the famine, Joseph would have still been in jail if it wasn't for the problem Joseph would have never been able to reveal his favor even when he couldn't feel his favor or when he couldn't see his favor when he began to humble himself to solve another man's problem to solve another person's trial to help another person through a tough time even help a foreign country and and, and to help them out what happened it gave a problem that required Joseph and all the pain and the junk and the stuff he had been through culminated to reveal his destiny in the midst of not only the nation he was in, but to his family who betrayed him and to the world. You see, the way you get exalted is whenever you humble yourselves and you focus on other people and other people's junk and other people's stuff and you try to improve yourself to not solve your problems but to be a problem solver for other people people when I'm a problem solver for someone else I grow influence anyway and I gain influence anyway and don't even have to try to why because when you come to the place you realize it's not about you it's about others there's no limitation on what God can do with you and through you amen oh two people believe that praise God we're rolling now But what I want you to realize here as we talk about this verse, this passage for a moment is, think about this. Joseph was in favor and famine at the same time. Can you be in the favor of God? Can you be walking in the favor of God when things are not working out? Can you be walking in the favor of God and just went bankrupt or your spouse walked out on you or or you just got diagnosed with a terminal terminal illness? How how could you be in the favor of God? Well, Joseph shows us that even in the pit, the favor of God was still on him. Even in the palace and the success the favor of God was still on him. Even in the prison, God's favor was still on him. I want you to realize your circumstances do not determine God's favor on your life. God's favor on your life determines when you become a son or daughter of God and you listen and obey his voice. That's what determines your favor, not that. Favor must be recognized. If I recognize that I am favored by God, somewhere along the way, it will work out. Somewhere along the way, people will see my heart, see the truth. I don't have to go around defending myself all the time. Why? Because I'm standing in the favor. I've been doing this thing 30 years. People say, well, this person's saying that. Why don't you go? I say, I don't have time to deal with those people. I'll love them if they need some help. And I'll kiss them on the cheek and hug them if they come back to Bethel. That's not my mission. My mission is to love God and to love others. My mission is to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and love my neighbor as myself. And if I get off that mission, I'll be in a bigger mess than the people that's doing what they're doing. Why? Because I got to love them anyway. You see, when we realize that we can love others because we were first love and it's not about us, but it's about others, it changes everything. If all I'm trying to do is improve myself to get another position, another title, another notch in my bank account, another notch in ministry, then I will be relying on my own strength and I'll be living a life of failure long term. But if I will simply recognize that it's not about me, it's about others. If I will simply recognize that it's a fixed fight, if I'll just hold on, if I'll just press through, if I'll just keep my composure, and the the more difficult it is— The more I listen to his voice, the more I seek his heart, the more I seek his face. And he can give me the interpretation or a key to the lock of someone that could change everything for this city, the nation, and the world if I'll just simply trust him and know that if I love him, I'm favored, right? If I'm his kids, and if I'm serving him not according to my purpose, but his purpose things will always always but they lied on me always but 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 it wasn't true always well well, you know i didn't get that job always well you know i got that bad diagnosis always no matter what things you face it always works out for good because his favor is on you the moment you come into his kingdom Doesn't mean you won't have some prison time, some pit time, some slavery time. But listen, who's going to listen to your story if it's not a great story? Who's going to follow you if there's nothing to follow? If you're just circling, waiting to land, they're circling too. They're going to follow somebody that lands safely. You see, the the tougher the problem, the more difficult things you come through in life, that becomes the greatest aspect of your ministry opportunities. You see, if I look at a situation, if I'm abused physically as a child or sexually as a child, and I don't ever, healing is not just, okay, I can block it out of my memory. Healing is when I can forgive others that's done these things to me, but now i become the key to unlock the the hurt and the pain in someone else's life that's been abused. See, the greatest tragedy is your greatest opportunity. The greatest fear, the greatest trial is really the greatest opportunity. Yeah, but I failed in that, and I failed in this. Good. You fell forward. You fall forward. Why? Because God doesn't have reverse. And as long as you're with God and focused on Him through is important. Sooner or later, you will come through. Sooner or later, it will be made clear. Even if you're gone from this planet, God will stand up for you. And the eternal favor of God will be shown from the life you have lived. Amen. Give God a shout of praise if you could real quick. Man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Look at me if you would over in Genesis forty-five. I want to read a few verses to you. Now we're coming to a place where it's another description of Joseph talking to his brothers. And they're kneeling in front of him. If you recall the dream, if you've had time to read this, you'll, you'll realize he had a dream and part of it was his family and even the people around the world were bowing before him. And, and, and he began to release the dream, obviously too soon, to the wrong people. But now he's seeing that come to pass. And it says in verse 3, he said, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Because they're, remember, they're bowed in front of him. In other words, he began to speak the native tongue. The Egyptians didn't know what he was saying. And they were afraid to even look at him. He said, I am Joseph. And then here's the key. We would think Joseph's big key, his ultimate prayer was to get out of prison. His ultimate prayer was to be a successful business leader. His ultimate prayer was to be a spiritual leader. No, no, no. His ultimate prayer was to see his father again. Because he loved his father. And his father loved him. And because his father loved him and he loved his father, he had grace on his life to forgive his brothers many years earlier before they ever showed up in his presence. You see, God knew he could trust Joseph being the second most powerful man in the world. God knew he could trust Joseph to do what was right when it was time to do what was right, even though it was difficult, because if not, his people would starve and be wiped off the planet. But God set Joseph up. You see, to have a great victory, you got to have a great struggle. I'm not saying out here, go build a bad testimony. No, 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 no. I mean, Stephanie, you know, Pastor Steph has amazing testimony of the life she lived. And you know my testimony was a crazy testimony. And Parker, you know, our oldest son, and he spe- he preaches and he does things here too and goes to college. And, and he's like, Dad, I I don't want to go out and live your testimony. I'm going to live. I said, yes, yeah, son, you live Parker's testimony. I said, you learn from the mistakes your dad made. Don't go out and total three cars and party out of, you know, two colleges before you're 21. Don't do that stupid stuff. Follow the path that God has for you. Believe me, you're going to have enough scars, enough pain, and enough stuff to preach about without ever doing drugs. There's enough, because that's the easy stuff. When you do drugs, you you just get away, you know, whatever, do whatever you want. When I was high, I could care less what you did. But man, when you're straight and you're focused and you're operating according to God's plan and God's purpose in your life, and you get hit and you get punched and you get thrown to the side when you're just trying to do what's right, that's when the real test is. So believe me, son, you got plenty of time for your testimony. That's why the word test is in the front of it. Amen. Yeah. So he said, uh, but his brothers were speechless because they thought they were dead right there, right? They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. And then he said, please come closer and he said to them, so they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sowed into slavery in Egypt. They're thinking, here it comes. He's setting us up. Verse 5. But don't get upset. What do you mean? I'm getting ready to be beheaded here or something. What do you mean, don't get upset? Don't get upset. And look at this. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Wow. In other words, don't, don't be upset. Thinking I will harm you, but also don't be feeling guilty because I'm not going to harm you. You see, some people will forgive you, but cast so much guilt on you. You're like, just hit me. Do something. Don't do that, you know, because that's not true forgiveness. True forgiveness is to forget it. Forgive it and forget it and move on and love just as so it never happened. That's true forgiveness. And he said, uh, look at this now. He said, it was God who sent me here ahead of you. To preserve your lives. Here you punished me. You tried to kill me. You didn't even realize you were setting me up for the destiny God had. Not just for me, but for you. See, God can even take your enemies, and that's what it says. He'll take your enemies and make them your footstool. He'll take your enemies and set them under your feet. If you'll just keep walking in favor, the enemies, your enemies will become your footstool. And you'll walk from stool to stool, and they'll always be down there in the drudgery. But God will raise you above it, and you'll go from, you'll go over top of enemy after enemy after enemy. Doesn't mean it won't be tough. Doesn't mean there won't be pain. Doesn't mean there won't be scars. But you win. Does anybody want to win? Amen. And he said, uh, verse 6, This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you, look at this, to keep you and your families alive, to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Now, we know God didn't grab him and throw him into slavery. God didn't do. No, God just stepped back like he did with Job, and he allowed events to happen. And through each event, event, Joseph got stronger and stronger. Through each event, Joseph became the man that could stand as the second most powerful man in the world and forgive those that hurt him and harmed him. And even love people that weren't of his culture, his nation, or his belief system. And lead them just like they were his own family. And to bring transformation to not only that nation, but to his nation and even to the world. Verse 8. So it was that God sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh. In other words, yeah. He, he didn't cause me to do it, but he got me here. I had to go a rough way to get here, but he's the one that revealed his favor on me. But he said, I'm the manager of, of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. You see, even from the pit to the palace to the prison, and now back up on the throne right under Pharaoh, Joseph always recognized God's favor was still on him. He knew his God would never leave him or forsake him. He knew he would fail at times. He knew people would fail him. Even family would fail him. But his victory wasn't based on people. His victory was based on his heavenly father. You see, sometimes we don't know what God's plan is in our life until we get to the place we're supposed to be. So I'm going to ask you today, do you believe that God can give you favor in the midst of famine? Do you believe that God can give you favor in the midst of financial hardship? Do you believe that God can give you favor in the midst of a divorce or a hard difficult time in a relationship do you believe that God can give you favor when people in church and you fight back and forth and turn your backs on one another and I, do you believe God if you will be the bigger one and forgive someone else just like it never happened and love them anyway just as they are not as they should be you know the way we want to be loved will God's favor be on your life can I can I have one foot in famine and one foot in favor at all times you see, even in famine, I can make my enemy my footstool. Even in famine, the weapons of the enemy cannot touch me if they don't get my heart, if they don't get my attention. You see, your body may feel weak, your mind worn out, you may be tired, but if you don't give the enemy your heart, he doesn't have a chance. He's not after your wisdom. He's not after your stuff. He's not after your, you know, your influence. He's after your heart. And if he can get your heart, he'll have you. you. See, God's no respecter of persons. He loves everybody just the same. Joseph is a type and shadow of Jesus who came and he went through similar things like this that Joseph did. And Jesus was a, Joseph was a type and a shadow, a foreshadowing of the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. And he did the same thing, forgive those who persecuted him. He didn't come to be served. He said he came to be a servant you see, God's is trying to serve you in your famine. He's trying to serve you in your pain. He's trying to serve you even when you have scars on. But if you don't hear him, and if you don't trust him, you won't see him in the fire. Like the three Hebrew children, remember? The three Hebrew children, one, they got thrown in the fire. And then they said, look, it didn't touch him. And there was another man, a fourth man. Made in the image of God, it was Jesus in the fire with him. I want you to realize whatever fire you're going through today, whatever test, just realize it's getting ready to become a a testimony that you win, that you're walking in favor. Don't ever feel like because, you know, my job went south, my relationships are going south. Doesn't mean there's not things we need to take responsibility for and that we need to navigate through and we need to get help and get fixed in our life. But it still doesn't mean God's favor is not on you. Just because you're in famine doesn't mean God's favor's on you, not on you. You see, and, and famine doesn't bring God's favor. You know what famine does? Famine is a tool that can reveal God's favor. Not just so you know you have God's favor, but other people, maybe even those who persecute you, can see the favor on